Thank you, Brother John, for leading us in prayer tonight. Um, we're going we're gonna to back to the book of Judges, but this time all the way to the beginning. I, as I finished up the series last week on Samson, um, I felt like we've looked at Samson, a pretty major character in this book. Uh, a couple of years ago, about a year and a half or two years ago, we looked at Gideon, another judge in the uh, book of Judges. And I'd like to do, uh, well, I've entitled this series here, Surveying the Book of Judges. Surveying the Book of Judges. And instead of going verse by verse through it, let's go back and um, we won't look at every story in the book, but there are several that kind of stick out. And I think this will be a good opportunity for us to maybe take a, a good overview of the whole book. Um, this, is a, this is an interesting time in our country and in our world. And if you are familiar with the book of Judges, the moral climate of the book of Judges is pretty similar to the day in which you and I live. So I think it would, it would profit us maybe to take just a few weeks, not like I said, we're not going to do all of these chapters verse by verse, but to go back and look at some of these main characters that kind of stick out. We've already hit the two biggest characters in the book. Uh, most, of the attention is, most of the attention is given to Gideon and Samson when you look at the number of chapters. But there are several judges that are mentioned that could profit us by looking at them and how they functioned and especially noting the, the uh, people of Israel here. And so what we're going to do over the next few weeks is, is survey the book of Judges um, with some of, these, some of these main things. This book is really the beginning of a new era in, in Bible history. If you're familiar with the Old Testament history, because now... For the first time, the nation of Israel is going to begin to develop in the land that God promised them. They really weren't much of a nation when they left it 440 years earlier. Um, they were just Jacob and his wives and their sons. That was the nation. And they all moved to Egypt. And it took them nearly 450 years to get back into the land. Well, the book of Judges talks about, it talks about that. Right here at the beginning of the book, you're, you're going to find two summaries. And, and tonight, let's just do this. Let's just introduce the book as a whole. And then next week, we'll start looking maybe at some of the individual stories, if, if the Lord allows us to do that. Right here at the beginning of the book, in chapters 1 and 2, you have two summaries. Um, there are two summaries that appear in the book. The first one deals with the progress of the conquest of the land. Joshua's book is really about the conquest of Canaan, and, and you know how Israel went in and they had to, they had to clear the land out uh, of all of those that were inhabiting the land. Really, they were squatters on Israel's land. And you remember the strategy in the book of, in the book of uh, Joshua. The, strat the military strategy was divide and conquer. When they entered the land uh, and went right across to Jericho and then to Ai, they split the country in half. They took the beginning, uh, the beginning of the book talks about them taking the middle of the country and then the northern part of the country and then the southern part of the country. It was divide and conquer. And, and Joshua was full of that. Well, the first summary that you have is at the beginning of the book of Judges, it talks about the progress of all that conquest. And then the second summary is what the rest of the book is about. Now, that may sound a little bit confusing, so let's look at it like this. In chapter 1, 
beginning at verse number 27 all the way down through verse 36, you have that first summary, and it concludes this. They didn't do as good a job as they should have getting the enemies out of the land. That's what you're going to read, that several of the tribes failed to kick out all of the people in their inherited land. And so chapter 1, verses 27 through 36 concludes that first summary. This is how the conquest of the land is going. That's the first part. But the rest of the book of Judges now talks about what what happens when Israel turns their back on God. And the second part of the book is really concluded... It starts at verse number, t- uh, chapter number 2 and verse number 10. Look at chapter 2 and verse 10. Up until this point, they've been talking about all of the things that Israel has done under Joshua's leadership. When the book begins, Joshua's still leading. Look at chapter 2, though, and verse number... Uh, well, let's back up to verse number 8. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old, and they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath-Heres in in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the city Gaish. And also, note verse 10 now, this is an important verse, and also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. If, If you're a student and you mark in your Bible, verse number 10 is why you have the rest of the book of Judges. Everything that happens after 2.10 happens because of what that says. Joshua died, that generation he was with died, and here it comes. There arose a generation after them that knew not the Lord, they didn't know his works, and that gives you the rest of the book of Judges. And if you're familiar at all with this book, you know it's an absolute mess. So you have these two summaries. First, you have the summary that wraps up the conquest of the land. And that summary says this. They took their land, but they didn't kick out all of the people God told them either to kick out or destroy. Some of them, God said, I want you to utterly destroy this city and this culture. Destroy all of them. That's a harsh command, by the way. In our mind today, in our 21st century mindset, you've got God telling them to go in there and and wipe out a culture, destroy them. And then there are others, he said, you just kick them out, get rid of them. He never condoned for them to take them captive and make them slaves. God wanted those people gone from that land. Well, chapter 1, verses 27 through 36 tells you they didn't do that. And then the second summary, it provides the introduction really to the rest of the book. Joshua has died. There are three important observations I want to make. This is all introduction, by the way. We'll get to an outline here in a moment. Three observations here at the beginning of this study. Here's the first one. Joshua, or uh, Judges, rather, the book of Judges starts like the book of Joshua ends, and that is victory for Israel. It says in Judges chapter 1 and verse 1, Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. And Judah said to Simeon, his brother, Come up with me into my lot, 
that we may fight against the Canaanites, and I likewise will go with thee into thy lot. So Simeon went with him, and Judah went up, and the Bible says, And the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand, and they slew of them in Bezek 10,000 men. And they found Adonai Bezek in Bezek. And they fought against him, and they slew the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And so what you have at the beginning of the book of Judges uh, is the same as the end of the book of Joshua. You have victory for Israel. That's the first observation to make. They started off right. The second observation is this. At least eight tribes did not drive out all of the uh, the inhabitants from their inhabited land. Eight out of 12 tribes. Well, actually, eight out of 11 tribes because Levi didn't have one. So eight out of 11, that's a terrible ratio, isn't it? The tribes of Judah, Benjamin, Ephraim, Manasseh, Zebulun, Asher, Naphtali, and Dan. The Bible says at the end of chapter 1, all of these tribes left Canaanite dwellers in their lands. May I just pause right there and say that's why Israel has the problems they have today. They've not been there for the last 100 or 200 or 300 years. Those dwellers in that land have been there for 3,000 years. Had Israel done what God gave them to do back in the book of Joshua, they would not be in the mess they were in today. There's prophecy in the scripture where God tells them. In fact, God tells them, and we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that in our study here. He tells them, you didn't drive them out. Okay, they're going to be thorns in your sides. And they have been. Not for centuries, but for millennia. Well, the third observation is this, and we just read that in chapter 2. Joshua and his contemporaries died early in the book. And that sets the tone for the rest of the book. Those three observations are important to know as we begin through this. Well, we've talked about Gideon uh, in 2021. We just finished last week this series on Samson. So why talk about things that happened? Why are we going back into this book? Things that happened 3,000 years ago. Well, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11, and you're probably familiar with that verse. Now, all these things happened unto them, Israel, for our examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. We're we're going back and studying this because God said what happened to them back there, that's for your example first and your admonition. admonition. Admonition is a warning, isn't it? So let's pay attention to what Israel does in the book of Judges because they're a warning to us in here. I've I've entitled our study tonight, did you notice that? The value of a bad example. That's what we have generally. Now, we talked about Samson, didn't we, for a few weeks, saying Samson's not a good example to follow. Really, Israel is a bad example to follow in this uh, this book because they they make some really poor decisions uh, throughout, throughout the book. So why study this book? Tonight we're going to consider three reasons to study events that took place 3,000 years ago. And the the first two really aren't, uh, they're they're not very long, but they need to be be pointed out. And in fact, we'll, we'll start with the first one here. The first reason to study this is because of the book's theme. Study the book of Judges because of the book's theme. And this theme, you may have already filled in the blanks. You can do it because I say this often, but it's just true. Obedience brings God's blessing. 
disobedience brings God's chastening. That is the overall theme of the book of Judges. Obedience brings God's blessing. Disobedience brings God's chastening. Would you hold your finger here in chapter 2 and just just flip back a few pages to Deuteronomy chapter number 30. This Here's the thing. Israel was not they they didn't go into Canaan unwarned. God gave them plenty of warning about how to conduct themselves. This is near the end of Moses's life and he's he's speaking to them. Would you look at, at Deuteronomy chapter 30? And begin at verse number 15. Moses is wrapping up one of his sermons to them. And he says, see, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God and to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments. That thou mayest live and multiply. Look at the end of verse 16. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and ye shall not prolong your days upon the land whither thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life, and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, to give them. Do you see in there how he ties obedience and blessing to their relationship and their dwelling in the land? If you'll do what I've showed you to do, Moses said, God will bless you and you'll possess the land that he's promised you. But if you don't, I want you to know you're going to perish from that land. Obedience brings God's blessing. Disobedience brings God's chastening. That warning is all through the scripture. God repeatedly told his people, and he repeatedly tells us, obedience will bring my blessing. Disobedience will bring my chastening. The book of Judges is the record of Israel learning that Moses and God were telling the truth back there in Deuteronomy chapter 30. We see it come to pass. We won't take the time to read it, but that theme is relevant for you and I, and it's evidenced in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 23 through 33. Go read those verses, and you'll see God saying, if you'll obey me, I'll bless you. If you disobey, it's going to bring chastening. I left this thought, I think, on your worksheet. Much heartache and suffering can be prevented in Christians' lives if we would just learn a simple truth. God only blesses obedience. Just just keep that in mind. He only blesses obedience. So one reason we should study the book of Judges, 3,000 years ago, Bible history in its early days in the nation of Israel, one reason is because of the book's theme that's very relevant to you and me. The second reason is because of the book's relevance. The book's relevance. 
Let me read some headlines for you, if I may. Family fight leaves 69 dead. Government leader caught in a love nest. Young woman gang raped and dismembered. Party going young women kidnapped and forced into marriages of foreigners. Judge says that travelers are no longer safe on our highways. I could be telling you about headlines from any of our big cities today, but those are the headlines of the newspapers, if there were any, from the book of Judges. Now, maybe as I was reading those things, you were thinking to yourself, well, I wonder where that happened. That happened in Chicago? Was that Was that London? Are they grabbing those girls over in Asia and making them, making them marry foreigners? What, what's going on? The book of Judges. One reason to study the book of Judges is because of its relevance. These are stories found in the, this short book. It's a relatively short book. 20, what is it, 21 chapters in it? It sounds like today. Now think about what I just read. Think about those things. Joshua is filled with these exciting stories of victory, except for Ai. You've got victory after victory in Joshua, and there's just great things happening there. Israel claims her homeland after 400 years in Egypt and 40 years in the wilderness. They come in, and and God's giving them victory after victory. They sweep into the land, and they just take it over. And then right after the book of of Joshua, you have judges talking about Israel being invaded and enslaved, and robbed, and impoverished, even a civil war breaking out in the, in the state of Israel. Joshua, great. Judges, we're scratching our head, aren't we? What happens that makes these two books so different? Judges chapter 2 and verse number 10. There arose a generation that knew not God. And what happened was, see if, this, see if we can't pull out Israel and plug in the United States, or pull out Israel and plug in England. Israel turned her back on God, decided to live their lives on their own terms, began determining for themselves what was right and wrong, and rejecting God's input on moral issues. Take out Israel, plug in America. Take out Israel, plug in England. But that's what's happened. They turned their back on God. I like the way G. Campbell Morgan said it. He said, they talking about Israel in the book of Judges, they began tolerating things that were out of harmony with the holiness of God. God was setting his people in the land of Canaan to be different from all those idol-worshipping countries and tribes and clans. They were to go in there worshipping one true God, and they were to be a testimony and to be light to all of those that were bowing down and worshipping gods like Dagon, like we saw with the Philistines, or Chemosh and Molech, all of those false idols. Israel was to be a light, but they began tolerating things out of harmony with God's holiness. That's a good way to put that. As a result of that, God began to severely judge the nation of Israel. You see how that's relevant 
to us. They were just doing what we're doing today. It's nothing new here. I, I wrote down three observations. One, did you know it's easier to preach the gospel in public schools in some pagan countries around our world than it is in America? A nation, by the way, one nation under God, theoretically. Everybody got ticked off at Barack Obama a few years ago. They got ticked off at President Obama when he said that, uh, the, that America is no longer a Christian country. And Christians got all up in arms about that. I don't agree with much of what President Obama said, but I agreed with him on that. That wasn't hard to figure out, was it? Easier to preach the gospel in public schools in pagan countries than it is in America. Another one. Did you know that at one time the primary book for teaching reading to beginner students was the Bible? That was the reader. It was the Bible. Third. Did you know that the founding fathers of the country, though not all of them Christians, for example, Benjamin Franklin, they determined, even not being professing Christians, they determined that the foundation of the new nation should be trust in what they said was the almighty God. They weren't even Christians like you and I, but they recognized there's no way this is going to work if almighty God isn't involved. I'm saying all that to show you that Israel in the book of Judges, not very different from America in 2021. And we can expand that, not very different from our world in 2021, because the wickedness is not confined to this continent. It is worldwide. Unthinkable things, unthinkable things happening in our world. Why? Well, there arose a generation that knew not God, nor his works, and they went from there and decided to do things on their own. There's a story came out of Tulsa. I caught my attention because my wife is from Tulsa. January of this year, a 12-year-old girl stabbed her 9-year-old brother to death. The mother said it was because she quit taking her ADHD medicine. I think it's a demonic involvement. I think a lot of things today are described, and I'm not lessening mental illness or anything like that, certainly not doing that, but I'm just saying there's a lot of things that we are, we are masking that is demonic activity, and we're masking it. We're masking it with medicine. We're suppressing it. I, we have, a, we have a, a culture, a society here in our country and in other countries too, where we have systematically removed God from every heart, and we think we're going to do that with no consequence to our children. We think we're going to do that, do no consequence to our homes or to our churches or to our government. But what we have is a culture today. Well, how does the book of Judges end? Do you remember this? There's a very famous saying, probably the most famous verse in the book of Judges. Do you remember, you remember how it ends? What does it say about every man? Doing that which is right in his own eyes. Is that not our world today? This is a, this is a very uh, relevant book to what's going on. What was happening in the book of Judges is happening in our world today. We should study Judges, first of all, because of its theme. That obedience brings God's blessing, but disobedience brings God's chastening. Second, we should study it because of its relevance. It's obvious that there are some parallels here. And the final reason is this. We should study it because of the book's instruction. 
because of the book's instruction. There are some principles in Judges that, that help my walk with Christ. Hopefully that will help your walk with Christ. Here's, here's the first one. This shouldn't be hard to figure out or to fill in the blank. You might be able to do it on your own. God does not tolerate sin from anyone. Not Israel. Not his church. Not the world. God doesn't tolerate sin from anyone. One of the lessons from Joshua was that Israel was given victory over nations because of the sin of those nations. Do you remember that? God used the nation of Israel not just to take their land back, but he was also bringing judgment against those nations for their wickedness. Remember the phrase that was used... Uh, the cup of iniquity was not yet full. Remember that phrase? There comes a point in the, in the Old Testament, in the in Old Testament history, where certain nations, their cup of iniquity got full up, and God said, "That's it." And those nations, God said, "I want you to go in there and kill every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. Kill their livestock. Don't take anything from them." Listen to Deuteronomy. If you want to turn there, I'm reading Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 17 and 18. But thou shalt utterly destroy them, namely the Hittites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that they teach you not to do after all their abominations which they have done unto, uh, which they have done unto their gods, so ye should sin against the Lord your God. Go in there and kill them for what they've done. We don't want you being contaminated. Joshua chapter 6. Verses 17 and 18. And the city shall be accursed, even it. Talking about Jericho. Even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all that are in her house. Because she hid the messengers we sent. And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing. Lest ye make yourselves accursed. When ye take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel accursed. And trouble it. Don't take what they have into your camp or what's happening to them is going to happen to your camp. That's what God is saying. God doesn't tolerate sin from anyone. Look at, you're your back in Judges. Look at Judges chapter number 2. In Judges chapter 2, the angel of the Lord here, had he had given Joshua orders at Gilgal on how to take this nation. Now the angel of the Lord comes back and he sees that his instructions weren't followed. Judges chapter 2 and verse number 1. And, and it says, An angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt. I have brought you under the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars. That's what we, we talked about. And then look what he says. But ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? You see that last, you see that question there at, at verse, the end of verse number two? You see that question? Why have ye done this? Can I tell you this, Christian? If God comes to you confronting your sin, there is no sufficient answer for that question other than you confessing your sin and me confessing my sin and asking God to forgive. Nothing they could say was going to justify their disobedience. 
When he said, why have you done this? That was, that was 100% a, a rhetorical question. They were not to give response because there's no response to give. But ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? There's instruction here. There's, there's warning here. Remember, God will not tolerate sin from anyone. Hebrews 12 tells us that if God loves us, he will chasten us. He's not going to let sin slide. There's no little white lies with God. There's not lesser sins. God's going to chasten those that, that sin. He's going to do it because he loves us. Who, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son that he receiveth. Well, there's some things about God's chastening here for the people of Israel. I just wrote down three things about the chastening that Israel receives for their disobedience. And maybe you can relate to one or two or three, all three of these. The first thing I wrote down was that this chastening was poetic. By poetic, I mean this. The people that Israel failed to drive out become the source of their discomfort and their chastening in the land. You see what I'm saying? What, who they left in there, they became the problem. It was poetic for them. Also, it was severe. We read a little bit from, from chapter 6 a moment ago, but if you read the first six verses of Judges chapter 6, you'll find God's people who own the land, who've been there long enough to garden and raise crops and, and raise flocks. They're now living in caves. And they're living in hollowed out places because the enemy has come in already by Judges chapter 6 is already taking their land. It was not only poetic chastening, it was severe chastening. They're run out of their homes. They held the title deed to that home. They owned the dirt that, that garden grew in. Didn't matter. The Midianites were eating that fruit. The Philistines or the Jebusites were milking their cows. It was severe chastening. But here's, here's the greatest truth about the chastening of God. It's the third one. It was intended to help. God's chastening was intended to help. God's chastening always has the same goal. It did for Israel. It does for his church in the New Testament. has the same goal. You know what it is? To get my people back to me. That's always the goal of God's chastening. God's not, an, uh, God's not on an ego trip. He's not trying to show how powerful he is. He's not out to squash his, his children like a bug. He's not out to do any of that. God's chastening is always intended to return me to him. It's to get me back to him. It's to get you back to him. When his chastening comes your way, when you're rebuked or I'm rebuked by the Holy Spirit, by his word, it's always to get us back to him. Why does he want us back to him? Because it's his desire to give you the kingdom. He wants to bless you. He just can't do it if you're walking the path of disobedience. So he's got to get you back on the path of obedience so he can bless you like a heavenly father wants to bless his children. His chastening is never vindictive. It's always intended to get us back to him. It was intended to help. Here's another principle from the book of Judges. Even lessons learned the hard way can be quickly forgotten. Even lessons learned the hard way can be quickly forgotten. Some people say that lessons hard learned 
won't be soon forgotten. Israel proves that's not always true. Maybe generally that's true. Hopefully that's true with us. But Israel proves that's not always the case. They get taken captive by people. And and as they're taken captive, they're not taken captive and put to light duty. They were always conquered by these fierce enemies that would rob them or abuse them. Look at what they did. To, look at what they did to Samson. When they took Samson, they didn't kill him. They took him and made sport of him. We're going to hold him over here until we have a drunken party. Then we're going to bring him out here and we're going to make him dance. And we're going to make him our ridicule. They didn't kill him. They abused him. I had a cat when I was a, I know some of you find that hard to believe, but I had a cat when I was a kid when we lived over in Maryville, Tennessee. It was an outside cat where all cats belong. And one day my brother and I were, my brother and I after school, we're sitting in the living room and we, we had uh, either 30 or 60 minutes of TV time once we got home from school before we had to start our homework. So we're in there watching something on TV at, uh, I don't know, three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon. And all of a sudden I hear something just screaming. And it's an animal, and I just hear this this high-pitched little squeal or scream, whatever you call it. And I go out there, and our cat has cornered this baby rabbit on our porch. That cat had backed it up into a squared corner. The, the rabbit was so, I'll tell you how little the rabbit was when we caught it to turn it loose. You could see through its ears. I mean, I don't think that rabbit was two weeks old. It, there was just nothing to it. But that cat had backed that that rabbit up into the corner and then just laid right down in front of it. It's a demon-possessed cat. Just an evil-hearted, wicked cat. You know, that cat had no intention of killing that thing then. It was just torturing it. That little rabbit, I've never heard a rabbit scream like that. I didn't know rabbits made any noise. Boy, they do, especially when they're cornered by a cat. We took the cat in the garage, and then we, we took that rabbit put it back in the, in the woods. But, but what that cat did to that rabbit, that's what they did to Samson. They put out his eyes, they bound him, they, they made him grind, and then they just pulled him out and played with him when they wanted. The, I, I'm saying that because, because these, these people that took, that, that people took Israel captive, they were cruel people. They'd rob them, they'd abuse them, they'd kill them. Just cruel enemies. Israel, as a nation, goes through, there's seven cycles. Did I put this, I, I hope I left this on your worksheet, because this is so true in my life, maybe in yours. There are seven cycles in the book of Judges. Each of them follow the same four-part cycle. And it's just a, a, a circle like this. They sin, they're chastened. That means they get taken captive. They repent and call out to God, and God delivers them. You know what step five is? Step one. They go back to sin, and then they get chastened, and then they repent, and then they're delivered. They were repeatedly drawn to idolatry. Do you remember that text we read back in Deuteronomy chapter 30 where God said, destroy those people, put them out of the land so that you don't follow their gods. They didn't do it, and Israel struggled for hundreds of years with idolatry until you get to the book of Daniel where they're finally taken away captive. After the book of Daniel and the 70-year captivity in Babylon, Israel never struggles with idolatry again. But during the book of Judges, 
they, they kept going back. And here's, here's the truth. And see if you don't find yourself or someone you know like in this same situation. Israel wanted the best of both worlds. They wanted God's blessing, but they also wanted to do their own thing. They also wanted the freedom to do as they please. They wanted the best of both worlds. There's a great illustration of that. And I, I brought one of my books up here tonight because I, w- I want to read you an illustration of that. Most of you, or many of you at least, have read Philip Keller's book, A Shepherd Takes a Look at the 23rd Psalm. In the beginning of the book, he gives this story of a sheep that wanted the best of both worlds. That was Israel's problem in the book of Judges. They wanted the best of both worlds. Philip Keller writes this, I once owned a you." whose conduct exactly typified this sort of person, the one who wants the best of both worlds. The ewe was one of the most attractive sheep that ever belonged to me. Her body was beautifully proportioned. She had a strong constitution and excellent coat of wool. Her head was clean, alert, well set with bright eyes. She bore sturdy lambs that matured rapidly. But in spite of all these attractive attributes, she had one pronounced fault. She was restless, discontented, a fence crawler. So much so that I came to call her Mrs. Gadabout. This one you produced more problems for me than almost all the rest of the flock combined. No matter what field or pasture the sheep were in, she would search all along the fence or shoreline, we lived by the sea, looking for a loophole she could crawl through and start to feed on the other side. It was not that she lacked pasturage. My fields were my joy and delight. No sheep in the district had better grazing than mine. With Mrs. Gadabout, it was an ingrained habit. She was simply never contented with the things as they were. Often when she forced her way through some fence, uh, some such spot in a fence or found a way around the end of the wire at low tide on the beach, she would end up feeding on bare, brown, burned-up pasturage of a most inferior sort. But she never learned her lesson and continued to fence crawl time after time. Now, it would have been bad enough if she was the only one who did this. It was a sufficient problem to find her and bring her back. But the further point was she taught her lambs the same tricks. They simply followed her example and soon were as skilled at escaping as their mother. Even worse, however, was the example she set the other sheep. In a short time, she began to lead others through the same holes and over the same dangerous paths down by the sea. After putting up with her, pers- her perverseness for a summer, I finally came to the conclusion that to save the rest of the flock from becoming unsettled, she would have to go. I could not allow one obstinate, discontented you to ruin the whole ranch operation. It was a difficult decision to make, for I loved her in the same way I loved the rest. Her strength and beauty and alertness were a delight to my eye. But one morning, I took the killing knife in hand and butchered her. Her career of fence crawling was cut short. It was the only solution to the dilemma. She was a sheep who, in spite of all that I had done to give her the very best care, 
still wanted something else. She was not like the one who said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. She is a solemn warning to the carnal Christian, to the backslider, the half Christian, the one who wants the best of both worlds. Sometimes, in short order, they are cut down. That's Israel. Do you think it brought God joy to send the Midianites or the Jebusites or the Philistines after his people? But he used them as, an, as a means to an end. <coughs> Israel was that sheep. That story describes Israel, and ultimately God allowed the enemies of Israel to defeat her, and the Jews were dispersed all over the world, and their land taken away from them, just like Deuteronomy 30 said would happen. Until 1948, when God brought them all back home. Let me pause here and say, parents, immediate discipline is important So transgressors learn to associate disobedience with unpleasant consequences. (coughs) Let those children in your home know this, this action will bring this result. If it's a good action, it's going to bring blessing. But if it's a bad action, it's going to bring, it's going to bring chastening. Let them know that immediately. The entire book of Judges is summarized In Judges chapter 2, look at verse number 11. And the children of Israel, you can take the rest of the book and it's summarized right here. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other, other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about, so that they could not uh, any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them, and yet... They would not hearken unto their judges, but they went a-whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. And when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge, and he delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass, when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them, to bow down unto them. They ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. Those nine verses sum up the rest of the book. That describes the book. Now we have details that are plugged into that, but that's the summary that takes place seven times in the book of Judges. Here's the final, here's the final principle. Our sin is not greater than God's grace. You see this throughout the book. As often as they sinned and then repented, God delivered them. 
because of time tonight, we can't turn there, but you can write down chapter 3 and verse 9 and verse 15. Chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. And chapter 10, verses 15 and 16. Those are enough examples. This is one of the most blatant facts throughout the book of Judges. God always takes his repentant children back. It's his grace. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Our sin is not greater than God's grace. He always forgives the repentant. What a faithful God. He's far more faithful to us than we are to him. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, the Bible says. So that's Judges. That's an intro to the book. You get the idea? It's just Israel's a lot like our day. Israel's a lot like our nation and our world is today. Even though we're reading 3,000 years back, a 1,000 years before Jesus was born, we're reading this story, but it reads like today. Judges is, it is an interesting book that has attention-demanding subjects in it. It talks about sin and its slavery, the judgment of sin, the betrayal in sin. It talks about godliness and courage and loyalty and forgiveness. And then you have this long list of characters. We talked about Gideon. Gideon was a coward who turned general. Deborah, a woman that God used to save the nation. Jephthah, who was a prostitute's son that became a great leader in Israel. You have another woman named Jael, and one of the most bizarre stories in the scripture, Jael is this woman who literally nails a guy to the ground. Remember that? Takes a tent stake through his head. Where did this woman go to school? You know what I'm saying? What an incredible, what an incredible group of people in this book. God raised these people up, and it said, as long as these judges were around. But when they died, Israel went. I like the way the the Holy Spirit said that. They went right back to their stubborn way. Here's your closing thought. Judges is not only beneficial in our knowledge of Bible history, but it contains many lessons for us to profit from today. I think judges is important to our understanding of Bible history. But the lessons that we glean from it, it's not just knowledge. Knowledge just puffs up. Let's learn the book of Judges and then put it into practice. Remember 1 Corinthians 10, 11. These things happen for our examples and for our admonition. And so as we go through, as we go through the book of Judges over the next few weeks, don't expect every judge to be addressed or every verse. That's not what, what's going to happen. We're going to survey the book and we'll look at some of these Judges that you may be familiar with and some of them that you may not be familiar with, but hopefully we'll be able to glean something from every one of them that we can put into use in our lives. They show, now Israel, and and we say this often here, Old Testament Israel is not the New Testament church. They're two two different entities that God directs. But Israel shows a lot of characteristics that mark the New Testament church. And one of them is, our propensity to get wrapped up in ourselves and do our own thing. And we don't want to do that because it's always going to end like it says, like it says judges uh, in the book of Judges, it did for Israel. It just doesn't end well. If we're going to reject God's word and seek our own way and, and turn out of God's way, 
that is going to end badly for us, just like it did Israel. We don't have Midianites and Philistines, but God's got, God's got ways of chastening you and I. We need to watch, watch what happens in the book of Judges, and let's learn how not to do it. That's the value of a bad example. Somebody said you can learn by experience or you can learn by example. It's always better to learn by, ex- by example. Let somebody else make the mistake and learn from them. If you see a guy take a fork, I had a nephew at one time took, I don't know if it was a paper clip or what he had. We were in the lobby at church, and we were just hanging out there, and we were all under the age of 10, and he had something metal, and he went for it, and he stuck it in that electrical outlet. You know what I learned from that experience? You don't want to put metal things in the electrical outlet. So I learned by his example so I didn't have to experience. And in our lives, let's learn by examples in the scriptures so that we don't have to experience the things that these folks did in their chastening. You can learn by example or you can learn by experience. It's better to learn by somebody else's poor choices instead of you making those poor choices or me making those poor choices, right? Let's stand and pray and we'll be dismissed. I'm glad to see you tonight. Let's look forward to this study in Judges for the next few weeks. Lord, your word's profitable to us. Uh, It's profitable in so many ways, and it is your word, inspired by your Holy Spirit, written by men, uh, but perfectly preserved for us so that we can be assured that what you tell us in it is truth. And when you tell us that disobedience is always going to result in our chastening, then Lord, help us to learn that from your word so we don't have to learn it from your hand. I pray that you would help us to look at these examples of the godly men and women that show up in the book of Judges and learn from them, but especially let us learn from the nation of Israel, Lord, that if we would just stay faithful to you and choose to obey instead of choosing to disobey, that your hand of blessing could rest on us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your indwelling Holy Spirit. Bless this group as we head home tonight. We pray that you get us home safely. We're already looking forward to being back together Sunday, we pray in your name. Amen. God bless you, church. It's good to see each one of you tonight.